Hey, that's what it's all about, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. And the gospel is what we refer to as the good news. And good news isn't good news until they receive that news. And so we've got, a, we've got an obligation as believers in the great commission, his great mission. And we want to understand what exactly does that mean and how can we be a part of this great commission there, it's acknowledged among many mission organizations that half of the world has never even heard the name of Jesus. I recently re- adopted a little puppy. Her name is China, and she's about three months old, and she's a Yorkie. And we, we love her, but the American uh, Pet Association of, of Northern America here has shared the news that it takes about $63 billion annually to take care of our pets. And I love, I love my pet, and I'm sure you love Fido as well. But in contrast to what we value human soul, that's only a mere fraction that's given to world mission, Mike. And I thought, my goodness, my goodness. I mean, I love my pet, but I'm going to say, I want the heart of Christ and I want to love people more than that because of the value of a soul. And this week is our missions emphasis weekend. This is the church having a business meeting to decide how much we are going to do in the great commission for the cause of Christ. By the time that this weekend is over, I pray that you would search your heart and see how you can be more involved by praying, by partnering. At the end of the service, there are tables in the back of the Northern Africa and Middle East countries of the unreached people groups, and we're asking you to grab one of those and just focus on praying that God would send somebody to share the love of God in that country. Be sure to grab one of those. Also, a burden that we have is that we as a church would not only pray for missions and missionaries and the gospel around the world, that we would partner with missionaries and mission organizations to share the gospel, but that we would personally proclaim the name of Jesus to our neighbors and to the nations. Amen? So I want you, I'm giving you the response time in advance so that you can mull on that a little bit and say, Lord, that's, uh, that's something that you have challenged me to do and I wanna do a better part. Well, many of you know I was teasing. Um, this is what we, in Asia, in Indonesia, this is referred to as a batik shirt. And so I'm wearing my ethnic shirt. And uh, someone teased me over here and said, are you wearing your ethnic shirt today? And I said, yeah, I am. And I even decided to put on an ethnic makeup uh, to look Asian today. <laughs> in the spirit of missions, of course, you know. I always tease, um, my nationality, I'm an American, but my ethnicity is Cambodian. And of course, my wife is Caucasian American. So when we have children, Cambodian, American, and our children, they're (laughs) Camericans. But not every nationality sounds as cool as that. The reason I say that is because if you take take someone from Iceland and you marry someone from Cuba, their children will be ice cubes. I mean, it just makes sense. If you take 
a person from Holland and you marry a Filipino, their children will be called jalapenos. <laughs> Spiritual stuff. I want to help you. If you take a French and you marry a Greek, their children will be, hey, easy now. Watch the name calling. We've got to teach our people sensitivity here. But we're glad. We're glad you're here. And we love, we love the Lord. We love each other. And we love the peoples of the world. And we want to do a better job as a congregation to be more engaged just in our church alone. Did you know that we have diversity in our church? Um, there's Asian people represented. I met a lady that's been attending our church for about four years now from Korea. And we have Cambodians that are represented. We have people from the Caribbean islands that are represented in Haiti and in Colombia and Guatemala. And we have different people. In our community, we have different people. And we have to do our part in serving this community as well as serving the nations, our neighbors and the nations. If you have your Bible, take it to the book of Matthew chapter 28. We want to focus on that verse for just a moment. As you're turning to there, I want to read some staggering statistics to you you of 42 trillion dollars think about that 42 trillion dollars given to churches only 45 billion is given to world missions all around the world now you say that's a lot of money and it is a lot of money to think about the the church all around the world and nonprofit organizations and everything else 45 trillion dollars is given uh, to nonprofits and to churches and of that only 45 billion actually reaches in that small percentage 0.001% that number is challenging and convicting to me and i hope that it's convicting to you We're focusing on unreached people groups. What exactly is an unreached people group? In Christianity, an unreached people group refers to an ethnic group. There are 16,591 of these unreached people groups. But it refers to an ethnic group without an indigenous self-propagating church movement. In most ethnic and ethno-linguistic nations without enough Christianities to evangelize that particular nation. That is what we refer to as an unreached people group. Of the unreached people groups, are, there are less than 2% that are evangelical Christians. We, as a church, must do a better job. We, as a congregation, First Church of God, we have got to do a better job. In preparation for this weekend, I couldn't help but take the brevity of these statistics, the staggering concept of these statistics, and say, God, what would you have me, not you, me, Chantha, what would you have me to do in the area of world missions? Because if your heart is for the gospel and that the world may come to know Jesus Christ, what part of that is my privilege to serve you to declare your name among the nations. Bible says to let the nations be glad. Well, they can not only be glad once they receive the good news of salvation. 
the healing work of Jesus Christ in many of these nations. And so we have got to do a better part. God alone can save the world, but God will not save the world alone. He has given us the privilege of being a part of his glorious plan of redemption. And that's what we're focusing on this week. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all power, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, everyone say go. Go, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Everyone say all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now I want you to take your Bible to the book of John, John chapter number five, and this is where we want to study the word of God together, and we refer to our church as a church that is engaged in the word of God, and so we like to open up the Bible, and we like to look at passages and just go verse by verse and understand what does God want us to receive from his word today, not just tomorrow, but today. When we come to the table, we want to eat for today, not just for tomorrow. Well, some of you look like you might be eating for several days. I'm teasing there. John chapter number five, verse number two. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five porches or roofs. In these lay a multitude of invalids, or invalids, or another word for them in different versions is impotent. I'm going to concentrate on that word, impotent, because that word impotent is pretty strong in how it's described. The word impotent means unable to take effective action, helpless, powerless. I'll read that again because I want you to think about that word in light of the gospel, in light of the Seven billion people that are living in planet Earth right now, and many of those folks are metaphorically and spiritually speaking, we're referring to them as impotent. They are ineffective to take action. They are helpless or powerless because they have never heard the name of Jesus. We'll go on in reading here. Verse number three, and these lay a multitude of impotent or invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. Verse number four says, once a year, an angel of the Lord would step down from heaven and touch this pool of Bethesda and would anoint it. And the first person to go into the pool was made whole. Verse number five, one man was there who was an impotent and an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lie there and knew that he had been there now a long time, he said, do you want to be healed? Well, that's a pretty rhetorical question, a a duh question, if you will. I'm here, I'm an impotent, I'm unable, unable to do this. What do you mean, do I want to? You don't go to the hospital and say, excuse me, would you like to be better? Would you like to remain sick? Would you like to, would you like to, uh, to, to keep your arm broken? Would you like to not us treat you with the, with the cancer or the illness or the sickness? That's almost a, 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 a one of those questions like, are you kidding me right now? Look at me. I'm impotent. I'm incapable. I'm, invali- I'm an invalid. I'm blind. I'm lame. 
And so the, what the man says after this, according to John 5, verse number 5 now, strikes me at the center of my heart. Because here is the word of God being spoken and shared with us. In verse number seven, the sick man answered him. Everyone say these next words together. Sir, I have no one. That, my friend, is convicting. Tim Veldi, I would love to, but nobody is helping me. I'd love to, Pastor Trent, but I've got my own agenda and so I, I, can't, I can't go out to free to serve this week. I can't help our community. I mean, yeah, you're talking about praise the Lord. Do I love people? Yes, I just, I just can't. I'm busy. Do I love the Great Commission? Absolutely. I just, I, I can't. I don't have time to, 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 to pray. I don't have time to give. And I've got my own stuff going on. Something in the core of our being has got to resonate with the words right here. Sir... Ma'am, I have no one. You can almost hear the tone of his voice as Jesus comes and approaches him and says, excuse me, would you like to be healed? I don't, I, I can't, I, I like to imagine things. So I'm going to imagine for a moment, maybe his tone was one of those that said, you gotta be kidding me, right? If he was a little sarcastic, you gotta be kidding me. You're asking me if I wanna be healed, look at me. 38 years, sir, just like this. 38 years, I've come right here. I've been dropped off at this pool. I've been sitting here waiting to get into the water, but no man has helped me. Maybe that's the sarcastic tone. Well, maybe if he's not sarcastic and he's desperate and he's laying there and Jesus comes by and he says, sir, would you like to be healed? And he responds back to the Lord in a, maybe in a different tone a tone of desperation and maybe a, a quiver in his voice. And he says, sir, you've got to understand. <laughs> I've been here for 38 years and I'd love to, but sir, I, I have no man. I don't know if maybe there was an angry tone when Jesus asked him that question. Jerry, maybe the answer was really, really hateful and, and almost arrogant. He says, look at me. You really think that I don't want to get into that pool? You must be blind yourself. Who do you think you are to ask me that question? Whatever tone it is, it doesn't matter because the result of it is he doesn't have anybody. He is dependent upon somebody taking action to help him. Robin, I have no man, no person, no man, no woman who would care enough for my soul to do something about it. And that, my friend, is convicting. Every single day, we drive into our subdivision or to our homes and we park our car and we wave to our neighbor, and yet we've not taken the opportunity to share the gospel with them or bare minimum invite them to church. We go to work every single day, we go to school every single day, and we know that they may not even know the Lord Jesus Christ, but you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't do that. In the depths of their soul, they're crying out, I wish you would have told me that God loves me. I wish you bare minimum would have invited me to your church. So you say you love Jesus, but here you are. You've never told me the love of God one time. I have no man to care for my soul, if you will. 
That is convicting. And that should be the understanding of our hearts as we focus on this week and even next week of Discovery Week. What are we supposed to do in the Great Commission? What is our purpose? What is our passion? What is, what is uh, uh, the goal of, of the Christian life? And what are we supposed to do? And so I want to share with you as I, we look into verse number six and seven, do you want to be healed? We can pretty much ask the world, world, would you like to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? And then we just sit back and we say, well, I sure hope somebody else goes and tells them. I hope that Missionary Flights International goes out there and goes to the Caribbean and helps. I hope someone else, I hope someone else. And the pointed question that he directs right back to Jesus He doesn't look at the entire crowd. He looks at the person who just asked him that question. And he says, sir, Jesus, have no one. What the man didn't fully comprehend at the moment was he wasn't just talking to somebody that was just asking him a flippant question. You ever have people that ask you how you're doing? Hey, bro, how are you doing? And they just walk away. Like, I was going to answer you and tell you how I was doing, but... You ever have people like that? Good morning, how are you today? Good morning, how are you today? And you never really, that's a question. Could you take a moment and listen? I'm not doing too well. I'm so glad you asked. Do you really want to know or is it one of those shallow, hey, I'm doing my church thing? You know, the pastor says, hello, handshake or, or all that, maybe a hug. I'm just doing my thing. Let's be willing to care. When Jesus asked the man that question, he cared enough for him in the moment. Sir, would you like to be healed? But I have no man. Now I want you to see the response of Jesus. The response of Jesus is found in verse number, in verse number eight. Jesus said to him, get up. Take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. I wanna give you three points in this story that will help us to understand the truth behind this passage of scripture and our understanding of his great mission. Number one, I want you to see humanity's desire. Humanity's desire in these lay a multitude, seven billion people, Lou, seven billion. The multitude of people that every single year they would gather at this pool of Bethesda. Pretty neat and interesting too. This pool of Bethesda had five porches, five colonnades. It was a place of grace. The number five is always an extension of symbolic for grace. This is where they were going to meet Grace himself. And so everyone, every single year, are waiting for the pool. And this man gets dropped off by the pool and he lays there. And every single year, somebody beat him to it. Man, hopefully next year. Next year again, 38 years of his life, this continues to happen. Would you understand that there is a deep longing? There is a deep longing in the human soul to know God. All around the world, whether it's Buddhism 
whether it's Hinduism, whether it's Confucianism, whether it's uh, uh, the, the Muslim religion and Islam, whether it's, you name the religion, there's a longing in the human soul to know God. God created us with a, with a hole in our heart, and it's in the shape of a cross. Only Jesus can fit that hole. But they don't understand the need, and, and so there's a, there's a desire, but they just don't know how to fill that desire. Number two, I want you to notice humanity's dilemma. Humanity's dilemma. In these lay a multitude of impotent, blind, lame, paralyzed. Well, that's the physical dilemma, world hunger, world, uh, world sickness, and world poverty. But may I tell you that humanity's dilemma is far beyond limitations of food and far beyond limitations of physical uh, hospitals that are able to cure. Humanity's dilemma is the need of salvation. Amen. Humanity's dilemma Somebody's got to share the good news. The good news is not good news until it reaches there in time. You can't tell me that uh, if I'm stuck in a fire in my house, someone's going to save you. Hang tight. We'll get there tomorrow. That's not good news to me. I'm glad that you want to help me out, but tomorrow is going to be too late. That's why the Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. Amen. Humanity's dilemma. We've got a sickness. It's called sin. And that sickness cannot be cured until we take the good news of the gospel and we say and we declare and we give to them, reveal to them the love of God and God's story and plan of redemption for their soul. They'll never be able to solve that dilemma. Humanity's desire, humanity's dilemma, but I want you to notice what Jesus did about it. It's called the heavenly duty. Jesus didn't look at this man and said, oh, bless your heart. I learned that Southern term, <laughs> living in Arkansas. For a while, I thought, well, thank you so much for blessing me. And then I found out that that's not what it meant. <laughs> they felt sorry for me. So thank you very much, Pastor Trent. I learned what that really meant from you. <laughs> and you weren't trying to bless me. Jesus didn't come to him and say, oh, you poor thing, bless your heart. You've been paralyzed. No. Jesus asked him a question, but gave him a solution. We can't just hear the world's cry and say, well, I'm so glad that somebody's going to do it. <laughs> it's not good enough, folks. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus, in verse number eight, Jesus didn't just walk away from him. Oh, poor guy, poor thing, bless your heart. He said, Get up, take up your bed. In another version, it says, rise, take up your bed, go thy way, thy sins be forgiven you. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Jesus saw the need and attended 
based out of a personal duty and obligation. This week, don't obligate that to someone else. Don't push that off to someone else. That is a personal obligation that we have been called to. Go ye, go you. Not go Eve, not go Steve. They're sitting right next to each other. That worked out so well. (laughs) Go, Eve, Steve, leave. (laughs) Go, go you, you. Not go them. Go Pioneer Missions. Go International Mission Board. Go, you name the mission organization or you name the missionary, fill in your own blank. Go ye. That is personal. That means you have a command from the king. What are you going to do? You have two options, obey or disobey. What are we going to do? The word go is an active verb that, that requires us to take action. Are you praying? Are you partnering? Are you proclaiming? Which one are you doing? What are you, how are you going? You, you can't just stay here. We're moving. We're going. We're going somewhere. We're going somewhere as a church. We want you to come along with us. We have a discipleship pathway. Here's the way. Go. That's why we follow Jesus. He knows the way. He goes the way, and he shows us the way, so we will follow. Follow, follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. I am going to go in the direction of the cross. As a church family, what we're experiencing right now, we have an opportunity to go. We can't just stay here. We have a gospel to preach. We have people to to love on. We have a community that needs Jesus. And we've got to do our part. We can't just be here and say, oh, no, woe is me. See, that's inward focus. This weekend was ordained so that we can get our focus and our attention with an opportunity to proclaim the name of Jesus in a community that needs Jesus, in a nation that needs Jesus, in in countries that need Jesus. And we, as a collective body, we want to do our part in going. Go you, go ye, therefore, into all the world. Well, what are we doing? It's not just Indian River County. That's why we partner with all these 20 different mission organizations so that we can take the gospel to Haiti and to the Caribbean and to Asia and to Africa and to the Middle East. When we were living in Singapore, we moved to Singapore in the month of November, right after, uh, right after Thanksgiving. We flew out of Washington, D.C., and we went And we stopped in several countries or several cities along the way and stopped in Taipei before we made it to Asia. And then we went to Singapore. We arrived in Singapore in late November and God had given us a a purpose and a calling to go start a church. 
And so we began making printed brochures and gospel tracts and inviting people to church. My wife and my boys, we started making cookies and little gifts that we would start giving out to our neighbors and the people who worked in our, our community. And we started giving, it, giving them out. And one day, one of the ladies that cleans in our area, uh, she's Chinese. And so we, uh, we were learning Chinese only at that time. You remember that, hun? And uh, we were learning Chinese at the time. So we, our Chinese wasn't that good. It still isn't that great. Just because of this face doesn't mean I speak Chinese, okay? Um, so we, we, went to, we went to start uh, passing these out, and people were so appreciative. They had never received things like this before. It was so foreign to them, the concept of being kind in this fashion. And one day, the Chinese lady who was cleaning our community uh, gave, uh, we gave it out to a lot of other folks as well, but she gave it to her friend who was an Indian man. And his name is Ramakrishna. And Ramakrishna one day was out in my, uh, we lived in a big apartment complex, but he stood out in the sidewalk and we were coming home from the grocery store. We rode the, uh, the subway and walked home and we, we got there and he was standing there and I didn't think anything less of it, but we got, uh, approached him and he had been standing there for a while. And he said, excuse me, are you the pastor? I said, oh no, how did he know? Depends on what you want. If you're taking me to jail for sharing the gospel, I don't know. Um, so, but he, he, are you the pastor? I said, yes, I, I am. I didn't have a church yet. We were starting a church. So it wasn't like I could say, well, I'm a pastor of this church. Uh, it, but, you know, I understood the, his context. And so I said, yes, I am. He said, I didn't get cookies from you. <laughs> and I said, I'm, I'm so sorry. And he said, you, you gave it to all my friends and I didn't get a cookie. And uh, I said, oh, I'm sorry, we'll, we'll get you your cookie. And he said, oh, it's okay. I want to talk to you because you're a Christian. I said, yes, that's right, I'm a Christian. He said, I've been praying for a pastor to come start a church. Ramakrishna began doing discipleship Bible studies with us for several months. We had a discipleship program uh, called Daily in the Word, and we, we, would, we would walk people through it. You know, for us in America, we tell people about Jesus. You know, like, you know, I've been to church before, but when you're sharing the gospel in the foreign countries and the foreign lands, sometimes that is absolutely not relevant. So you got to walk them through on who Jesus is and who God is and sin and all this stuff. And so we did that with Daily in the Word. I love that program. And so we just walked them through the word. It was, it was about 12 different uh, lessons, and we would do that. And Ramakrishna said, I want to be your first church member. So we started having launch services. We called it a soft launch, and we did that for four weeks. And Rama said, I want to serve, so can I set up chairs? And can I pass out bulletins? Ramakrishna committed his life to Jesus Christ. Ramakrishna now about 71, 72 years of age, I had the privilege of baptizing him in our church. Well, we started our church and it just snowballed. We started inviting people. A man that um, on our launch day, September, we had friends visiting from Hong Kong to help us pass out the gospel tracts. And we had printed out 5,000 tracts uh, to the community, much different than America where I can do 5,000 tracts with about 20 people and we can do that in one apartment complex because <laughs> that's, that's how many people there are uh, in and around the community. And so we just blitzed the area. We invited people on that Saturday 
for our launch service. We had been doing it for a while, but this particular apartment complex, we did that on that Saturday. And on Sunday, I noticed a man sitting in the back like this. And you ever have one of those folks that, bless me. (laughs) Try to make me smile, Chuck. I'm here. Try it. So I, I walked in and we came to church early, about nine o'clock service doesn't start till 10. And, and sure enough, this man, I didn't notice, I didn't recognize him. Everybody that I had invited, they were, I sort of knew who they were and because I'd been inviting them for the past several months. And this man, I didn't recognize him. And I went, introduced myself. I'm wondering, wait, he maybe have got the wrong time. Service not until 10 o'clock, but he came at nine o'clock. And so I went back, introduced myself. And I said, how did you know about our church? He said, well, yesterday... We'd been inviting for several months, but in his apartment complex was yesterday. Yesterday, I came home after work, and my maid received your invitation, and I, she had crumpled it up, and she threw it away. When I came home, I normally don't ever, uh, he and his wife are germaphobes, but for some reason, the Holy Spirit of God compelled him to look at this gospel track and invitation. So he unfolded it and he said, huh, how about that? A new church starting. You know, I've been thinking about Jesus and I've been wanting to go to church. I'll go visit that church tomorrow. His wife said, I'm not going to church. She's Roman Catholic. And so he came by himself. Long story short, Kingsley came to our church Two weeks later, his wife, Kathy, came to our church. They bowed their head and trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. Kathy did that in my living room at my house, walking through the gospel plan, doing this daily in the word with with them. We baptized them, and they were one of the faithful people in our church, never, never missing. Well, the story doesn't stop there. Kingsley came to church, invited Kathy to come to church. Kathy invited her brother named Roger. And Roger came to our church. Roger and his wife and their friends, Hansel and Cherry. And Hansel and Cherry came to our church and they got saved on Easter Sunday. The first three people in our church to walk the aisles to accept Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Oh, that was a glorious day in our church. And then beyond that, they invited their friends Uh, Kingsley invited Isabel, Isabel invited Sean, Isabel got saved, Sean got saved, Sean decides to invite mom and dad, mom and dad gets saved, mom and dad says, all right, family, you got to come, and so Wayne and Vilma came to our church, and they got saved, and then Techie and Goose came to our church, and they got saved, and their children got saved, and we baptized almost 18 people in that family. Why do I tell you that story? Because the gospel works. There are people who have committed their life to do what we may not physically be able to do to go to a foreign land. But we want a part in their calling because their calling is likewise our calling. It just so happens that our calling might be more focused here locally. But it doesn't mean the Bible says, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Those are all concurrent. Those are, those are happening 
while, while we are sharing the gospel. That's why I love our live stream ministry and our internet ministry because we have the privilege of sharing and declaring the gospel simultaneously while we are sharing the gospel locally. A lady, last story, a lady by the name of Amy Ahmad grew up as a Muslim. In her 30s, she began searching for the truth. Singapore is made up of about one-third Muslim, one-third Hindu, other Buddhists, and a small percentage of Christians. Amy wanted to, there was a longing in her heart, the desire to know more about Jesus. Because of what she had heard, she just wanted to know more. It wasn't that she wanted to put her faith in Jesus, she wanted to know more. And so she began visiting different churches throughout her 30s and 40s, and she would visit many churches. She would just sneak in the back, and because she was a Muslim, and at that time, very committed Muslim, she, she would just visit and sneak in and sneak out. Amy was invited to our church on grand opening Sunday, and Amy heard the gospel. We began doing Bible studies. My wife began doing Bible studies with Kathy and all the women in our church and one-on-one discipleship, just teaching people the word of God, just what it means, who God is, who Jesus Christ is. And Amy, a former Muslim in our living room, bowed her head to trust Jesus Christ as her savior. Don't tell me. Oh, Roman Catholic, they're Buddhists. They're Hindu, they're Muslim. They are a soul whom Jesus loves. And we've got to do a better job in sharing the gospel. This week, I want you to discover his purpose, God's purpose. I want you to discover his passion, God's passion, his passion for the world to be saved. I want you to discover his pursuit. What are we doing as a church? And then I want you to discover his plan. What are we doing? We have a plan. The plan here this week specifically is for us to be engaged in the unreached people groups to pray. Would you pray? Would you be willing to partner? In front of you in your seat backs, there are envelopes. Many of you use it every week in our drop boxes or online or through our app. Would you say, you know what? I can do more for the gospel. Maybe God would just challenge you to say, the pool of Bethesda, the number five, five porches, five colonnades, maybe God would just lead you to give $5. That's it, just $5. Say, God, I wanna contribute to your grace to work around the world. Maybe some of you would like to do more, $50, $55, $500, whatever it is that God leads in your heart in the area of world missions so that we as a church can do a better job in serving the unreached people groups around the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I wanna ask you a question. I wanna ask everyone a question because you might be here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal savior. You, the Holy Spirit of God has been working on you and asking you to the depth of your soul. You know about religion, but you don't know about the relationship with me, Jesus said. And he's been speaking to you and speaking to you and speaking to you and asking you to give your life to him. And you maybe have been resisting or this is your first time here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your savior. The Bible says, behold, today is the day of salvation. 
as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to ask a question for the entire congregation because you may need to make a decision of faith for Jesus Christ today. The Bible says that if you're willing to believe in the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, will be saved. Romans 10 says if you're willing to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. Would you be willing to to receive Christ? And here's what we want to do. This is an invitation time, a response time. If you're here like that today, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I'm going to ask the entire auditorium, if that's you, you do not know Jesus Christ, but today you want to receive because you believe. Would you lift up your hand? Just quickly put it up and then put it down. That's all. Quickly put it up and then put it down. Praise the Lord. One right here. One right here. We rejoice. We rejoice with this one. Been attending our church for a while, but today is the day that she has committed her life to Jesus Christ. Our prayer partners are here. We want to pray with you. If you want to go, come join our prayer partners. They're, they're servants who just love you and just want to pray with you. If you want to pray by yourself, we have altars and that you can join on the right-hand side of, your, of the auditorium. May I ask that question one more time because you might be here. Under the sound of this voice, the Holy Spirit of God is convicting you and saying, just slip up your hand and put it down. Let, 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 us, let us pray with you. Would you just slip it up real fast and then put it down? The value of one soul. We rejoice with one who put her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today. And we celebrate that with her. What about it, church? Maybe you need to do business with God. And you say, Lord, I am convicted by the word of God. And I want to respond. As we all stand to our feet, would you join me in standing? As the worship team leads us in a time of response, if you're convicted or you're challenged by the Holy Spirit of God working in you, maybe you can come and pray as a response to God. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. In the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace. Hear the joyful sound of our offering as your saints bow down, as your people sing.
Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we're gathered together to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace, to hear the joyful sound of our offering, as your saints bow down, as your people sing, we will Amen. Listen, please, please, please go visit the tables in the back before you leave today. Uh, the cards for the unreached peoples are there. Also, go over to the dining hall and go visit all the missionary displays and missionaries that are here. Greet them. See what their, see what their organization is all about. And, uh, and also the promenade. And fellowship, church. Let's linger today. God bless you.